0: get off the top is uh are you looking forward to maybe getting out this summer to like uh, American Family Field is, is anybody happy with that uh it it's it became a very it's
1: a, it's been a very fast transition of <laughs> uh they started making changes everyone did the uh, uh but now <laughs> most the normal fans have already accepted it uh it's called am fam Clam. Oh, love it. Oh, that's great. Because it's American Family Field and then the logo is the Miller Park Stadium closed, but it looks like a clam, so mm-hmm. that's what everyone's calling So it's like we're gonna have the Am Fam Clam Jam Band uh nice. very soon, and so it's 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 a transition, but you know, it, we'll still call it Miller, and they'll have Miller signs everywhere. And the, I, I just hope that the money gets used for team salary. And it looks like they're already rebuilding like Bernie's uh shallot, they're gonna bring back the old, old school looking one, so I think they could just kind of Spend some money where they couldn't before uh, on little things, so that'll be nice.
0: I think most importantly on that subject, and that's the first I've heard of this, is he going to be sliding into a glass of beer at this point? As of right now, no. I know they did ah. a picture
1: of his, his building being that way, but mm-hmm. it's still the logo being slid into I almost feel like they they fixed the slide, too, because when you look at it, it looks like he's going to fly off for anybody who does yeah. it. Uh, but I feel I think they added a couple different new angles, so it looks a little... <laughs> safer but not that they needed to but yeah i would love the mug of beer with the balloons to come back that's
0: that should be priority number one over I mean, uh another free agent it, it's right there like the right thing to do is right in front of everybody's face they were doing it for decades literally mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. going from sliding into a glass of beer which it's in the name milwaukee brewers to sliding from a top platform to a bottom platform not quite as imaginative but that's that's the way it's been They opened it up yeah and i think a lot of that was because they had the that the bottom
1: was the kalahari splash zone and oh. i even have a bobblehead with that so i'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was caused because of a sponsorship sadly but uh it probably helped bring in uh moustakis so that's probably <laughs> where that money went so i'll be okay with that for a bit i mean uh, i didn't know that i didn't know that um bernie was a real person uh did you know <laughs> that he was a yeah with the He stayed up there for like 60, 70 days or something until the Brewers like won. Yeah, he stayed up there. He had had a whole setup. The first, the original Bernie, Bernie, he was this retired dude who just volunteered to go up there (laughs) and stay up there for a long
0: time. Yeah. I I love that the team took someone who sounds like has at least a mild, legitimate mental illness and decided, you know what? He's the mascot. Let's go with it. (laughs) yeah i think it was just simpler
1: times he was like 75 like uh ex-military <laughs> just retired guy who loved baseball and they just let him stay up there they i think they had like little heaters up there for him and a bed and all that stuff and he just stayed
0: well that that's humane that's good uh what why did so he was waiting for them to win to come down was was there like some historic losing streak they were under that that caused him to go up on the chalet in the first place
1: oh uh, i'll uh I, i'd have to look it up but I'm, i think it's I think it even ties into their first season hmm. where they wanted to have something happen, uh, until that didn't, I think it took like 75 days or something, uh, or something. Uh, I'm not sure. Larry, uh, I was not good enough st-
0: for you. Milwaukee.
1: Right. Right. I, I'm butchering the story, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's something like that for sure.
0: That's yeah. Cause I mean, baseball history, every so often is littered with weird people doing strange things because of losing streaks. Like, I remember when the Cubs, I wanna say in '94, they lost like every single home game in April. Like that was, they didn't oh, win wow. like every game period, but every game at home, they were lost like 11 or 12 in a row. And then one day, you remember Tom Treblehorn, ex Brewers manager, right?
1: Oh, oh uh, geez, I don't even know offhand. That's a, that's a name that does, not, it's not ringing a want, bell right now.
0: I wanna say he managed the Brewers in the early 90s. He managed the Cubs just for that one '94 season. And it got to the point where he pledged to the media after like a particularly excruciating loss that after Mm -hmm. if we lose tomorrow, I'm going to hold an impromptu press conference for all the fans in front of the fire station outside the left field bleachers. And sure enough, because the 94 Cubs were shitty terrible, they lost the next day. (laughs) And to his credit, that was the only highlight of that year, but he showed up outside the fire station. And had a mob of angry fans going, What the fuck, dude? And he was like, Yeah, I know, I agree. What the fuck? And by the end, people were cheering him. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, So the guy's name was Milt Mason. So they Hmm. called him Bernie, but he was, so he was 69. Uh, Again, almost everything I said was wrong. He's 69, not 75. He was a retired aviation engineer, not ex military. Uh, But it was when it was the first year, um, and it was, he would stay up there until they had a sellout cloud. The crowd, um, and then uh, when a sellout seemed unlikely, the attendance goal was lowered to forty thousand. <laughs> and then um, it was free bat day, back when they could still do that. And oh then uh, he was up there for forty days, and then he celebrated celebrated by sliding down a rope. Oh, nice! So that's kind of the the origin uh, origin of Bernie Brewer. That's really,
0: good I, I have never heard of a fan who is that concerned about attendance, like ever. And, yeah. and maybe that's. I'm thinking just off the top of my head, maybe a leftover of like, because the Milwaukee Braves left town because attendance dropped, they wanted to show everyone that Milwaukee could be major league caliber at that point, maybe that he was paranoid, but wow, it took 40 days. And then we're like, you know what, let's lower it to 40,000 because winter is going to be here in a few months and we're in Wisconsin and the guy's 69 years old. Wow. Oh, I love that. Yeah, for sure.
1: It was, yeah, it was the first season back from when they yeah, from the pilots that, that came over. And I remember the the crowd was huge at first and then it died down because they were so bad. And uh yeah, I'm pretty sure they're looking for anything to do that. But you know, now a tradition was born, so it's good.
0: Yeah. So I think that uh we gotta if that's how Bernie started, that's what it's gotta be from here forth. That until right. the Brewers sell out a game, and remember we're gonna be under COVID attendance restrictions at the start of the season. <laughs> bernie's got to stay up in the chalet you can't leave i agree on, man i agree let's do it rules. absolutely bring, that'd be and
1: bring back that'd the be a solid cure. promotion yes that would be a solid promotion to promote vaccines is uh <laughs> bernie can't come down until we have a sellout crowd
0: if if you opened up the doors and it had so you uh, had bernie brewer and bob Euchre administering vaccines like you could no. fill up like miller park just on that alone right Absolutely. Yeah. Euchre got both. He got his vaccine, so he's good to go.
1: He can do it nice. ever now. Nice. So.
0: And that that's the most important thing is that he'll be back in person for this season.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, and then it also came out this week that he signed his first contract ever with the Brewers. It was a handshake deal since the seventies with Seelig. I didn't, I had no idea.
0: You know, well, so when you're owned by a used car uh, dealer, that,
1: that makes all the sense in the world to me exactly uh so it's because he had his uh benefits paid for by sag up mm. until last year and they cut benefits apparently sag did for okay. people uh which is nice that's a nice yeah, thing a uh, so he didn't have any health insurance so then he signed his official contract with the brewers this offseason for the first time ever
0: so someone at sag just realized that mr belvedere is no longer on the air and decided to come the right. baseball health <laughs> during a pandemic it's not yeah, man, fault. We... Christopher Hewitt is dead people.
1: No, that's not his fault at all. <laughs> it's, you know, it's those major
0: league residuals, man. Like it, yeah. that's, they uh, still have merchandise. That, that, that's good. that The organization came through for you, though. It uh, it, I, I hope the choice wasn't Bob Euchre's benefits or Justin Turner, but you never know, given the way major league owners spend nowadays.
1: That's very true.
0: Uh, Turner. Yeah, that's a, that's a sore subject. Yeah. I feel like
1: he, he played the brewers and, uh, especially I think he got some, uh, Some free meals from David Stearns that he's probably not too happy about, I feel like. Got a
0: a bit of free secret stadium sauce and then went back to LA, as is the old baseball story. Yeah. Let us get into that in just a second here. This is the Three Strikes You're Out podcast, part of the Outsports Podcast Network, the Outsports Baseball podcast, episode number 65, the James Paxton episode of Three Strikes You're Out. My name is Ken Schultz, contributing writer to Outsports Baseball Prospectus and stand up comedian, waiting for Bob Eucher to give me my vaccine. The other voice you are hearing on this particular episode is friend of the pod, (laughs) fellow comedian and the voice behind Brett Suter's actual Raptor on Twitter at Brewers Raptor. John Egan is back to join us. How are you doing, sir? Good, sir. Nice to see you, as always.
1: Uh, Hmm. It seems like it's uh, a lifetime ago where we had a weekend at Skyline.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, a lifetime ago when you could, like, tell jokes in front of people and not... Fear for your health for months on end. uh, Have you done any, I mean, I know Wisconsin's opened up some things. Have they opened things up for clubs at all there? I know Milwaukee. I've seen one in Milwaukee.
1: Uh, I don't know if it's true. Um, The pictures I've seen, I think Skyline is um, doing a lot at capacity now again. Um, I know Milwaukee is not. Laughing Tap is doing like 25% plus virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- I think that said, I'd, I've honestly, have no idea. I don't think comedy at state is right now. Um, I honestly don't know. Uh, I've only, I only did two shows in 2020 and that was enough for me to go. I'm not coming back until I can have full crowds again, but yeah. there's not much point as as much as I miss it. And this month, especially, I really miss it. The fact that it's like a, the year anniversary basically uh, of our two week, uh, close like
0: flattening the curve. So yeah, Yeah, I've I've done one virtual over the past, like, four or five months, and that was enough to scratch the itch and and make me realize, yeah, I'm I'm missing it hardcore. So I'm kind of surreptitiously writing a bunch of new jokes randomly right now and uh, just going to take them out and try it whenever it's safe, but going to be at least a few months before that happens. So I'm, yeah, just kind of in that holding pattern of, oh, I can't wait to try this one, except I'm going to have to wait for, like, half a year, so...
1: Yes, for sure. I have like a whole new standup folder stuff and uh, some of it's COVID related, but how could you not? I mean, uh, there's going to that's going to be the thing I'm already annoyed with is (laughs) when we all get into the full back swing of things is the tweets and posts about attacking COVID material. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, no matter where you go for the next five years, there's not a time where no one can relate, uh, either someone will <laughs> lost someone or they thought it was bullshit, uh, and they lived through it and they had a sinus infection. So they want to laugh about it. Like, it's just, it, it's going to be part of the, uh, medium. And I feel like if jokes are done fine, you know, it's not like we're like, you know, as long as it's not hacky, because the hacks are going to do hack stuff regardless. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, how, how could I not talk about some of the stuff that happened? I mean, never in uh, in my life, would, did I work with also my kids home or and, and have all these crazy
0: things happen so you know yeah, and that 's certainly something that everybody is going to identify with, and yeah, hacks are going to hack, but living through a pandemic is not hack like that 's something we 've all done it 's a topic we 're <laughs> right. going to cover because we 've all done it, and that 's all we 've known for the past year uh. And yeah, I I guess how much this is gonna really feel good hit me again last week. Have you seen the new Brian Regan special on Netflix? The Brian Regan I haven't, but I've been meaning to. I've been meaning to. Like you know, you go you know, going in, it's Brian Regan, so it's gonna be awesome. But like just watching it in the first ten minutes, it was like even beyond just the usual him just being so impressive. Like there was this feeling of this is hitting the spots in a way that (laughs) i didn't know a spot needed to be hit you know like just okay watching new comedy and new comedy this good it's been months since i've seen new comedy this good at this point and that was just like Mm -hmm. oh man yeah this feeling i miss this feeling so yeah i highly highly recommend it yeah
1: for sure i I definitely want to check it out like i said yeah that like And, and going back to that, like the when I did a show in October, was it? I think uh, yeah, for the Milwaukee Comedy Festival, uh, it was like twenty five percent. But still, like just describing my emotions during the lockdown, like got the biggest laugh of the night. And mm-hmm. so, like I feel like that's gonna that is gonna resonate where people, you know, how can I just go up there and go, hey, light bulbs are weird when <laughs> we just went all went through this year of absolute nightmarish where like once a month me and my friends in a group chat will go hey last this whole entire year was kind of bullshit wasn't it uh we all just you know like half my friends are like oh yeah i'm on anxiety meds now and the other half are like well we should probably quit drinking uh every night
0: yeah hey guys you want to hear about my socks because that's all i've thought about for the past 12 months (laughs) yeah right uh so yeah let's let's think about uh Warm spring thoughts in baseball because, uh yes. yeah, it's starting up in a month. And uh I guess we will kind of start where we left off. So you feel played by Justin Turner at, at this point a little bit. Was there hope? Any like legit hope as he was kind of shopping around with the Brewers before he went back to L.A.?
1: For sure. Especially since, uh, like the week before, and I I think it was just more of like a position salary dump, but they, they had a deal, I think with the athletics where they, they received a younger third baseman. I mean, he obviously wouldn't have been their everyday third baseman, but you're like, Oh, the moves that the Dodgers were making and then, Hmm. and, and Bauer. And, uh, I'm sorry if I'm wrong about that timeline, but I thought I was like, Oh, we're like, ah, can they really still afford Turner? If, if that's the case. And, uh, I'm pretty sure the Brewers had to be in top three. And I think from the, from what the rumblings were, the deal was exact as Los Angeles, but then Turner doesn't have to leave home. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's always a California guy and that's where he's played his career. And how do you do, you know, that's like, if, you know, if Braun decides he's coming back this season and the Brewers offer him, you know, like a 5 million deal halfway through the year or something like that with incentives and another couple clubs do, why would he not pick the Brewers for his last hurrah? So Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't blame turner uh it was just exciting for a second because i would have never expected that as a as a possibility going down the line i thought they were for sure going to go the route of like uh uh mikhail franco or something like that but uh instead we're going to have a uh uh urias arcia robertson shaw platoon which uh is uh enticing in, 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 a, in a sense
0: that's more platoons than there are hands at this point which uh, that's very true you good planning uh, yeah. yeah. And I always got the sense, like, especially considering Justin Turner was like the heart of that world champion LA team, that if mm-hmm. they made a matching offer, if they made it close, my feeling was he was probably going to go back there. Unfortunately, yeah. that does leave you guys with a hole at Super Spreader.
1: That's very true.
0: <laughs> and then,
1: sir, people were getting so angry. Like, I, I did one guy where I just said, like, no thanks, or like, eh, whatever. Like, I said, I don't, if we got Justin Turner, I would like to but I don't care if we don't. And like three comments of the same four douchebags on Brewers Twitter who are just like, he enjoyed a world series. Why don't you relax? Yeah. I said, I didn't say one word about that. I don't <laughs> care. Uh-huh. Like it's, I agree. It was stupid, but how do you not, how do you knock a guy for wanting to celebrate the thing he wanted to do his entire life? Uh, he played well. It was what a weird situation. Like the fact that he was allowed out there that halfway during the game, how do you not have your test results till halfway during the game? such a weird series that that whole night was so bizarre. Like it was, it's such a, I hate to use the buzzword, but it was like a Mickey mouse, like night of just of a world series ending. And, and, you know, the Dodgers were a great team. Uh, It's, it's a legit world series. I'm not going to say it was a, wasn't a legit world series. They played a season. That's, that's what they did. Um, The Dodgers, you know, I I can't say deserved one because their payroll, but they did, they were a good team. I'm, I'm glad Kershaw got one. And and some of those players, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with what Turner did. Obviously I was angry when I first heard about all that. Uh, but mo- most of my reaction to it was just hating the Dodgers from the <laughs> NCLS series. It's nothing about personal or about Turner. I'm sure he's a wonderful man. So
0: yeah, they've knocked out your guys in two of the past three years, right? That, uh,
1: yes. Yes. 20 well that, yeah, 2020, that, that playoff series was called limping to defeat. That was, um, there is, there is zero chance. I, I remember going on podcasts last year, right before the playoff series. And we're like, Hey, if we get hot, we're, we got a 50, 50 shot. And we, we were so naive. That was a 10 percenter, yeah, at best.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was the kind of playoff series where sure. If you score early and then get into the Williams hater bullpen early, then yeah, you might be able to steal a couple of games in a row. But that's pretty, yeah. well, and Williams was out. Williams was hurt. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, geez,
1: yeah. So that's... and
0: Burns was hurt, and
1: yeah, it was just it was a it was a nightmare.
0: Yeah. So um, I guess so. Move uh, with Turner going back to LA, and then bringing in Colton Wong. Like that's you know better than a kick in the crotch. But uh, how much better um, defense wise, certainly. But how much better overall? Who knows? I guess where are the Brewers at this point, which is a question that every NL Central team is kind of asking themselves after this yeah. off season where nobody decided to try until the Cardinals brought in Arenado.
1: Yeah. I, and I think it was just the Brewers uh, in a way, got a little lucky because of the situation we are currently in. I mean, they couldn't spend just like, cause we didn't make a whole lot of money, but um, the fact that the Cardinals who didn't have money got the Rockies to pay his salary is makes you wonder why didn't everyone else do the same thing? Why didn't, why didn't the other teams call and go, Hey, will you pay or not leave your team? Uh, I can't, what a, what a joke of a franchise, honestly. Like it's, I've never, I've always liked the Rockies, but I can't respect them from what they've done the past even a couple of years. Like their ridiculous contract, like the irresponsible contracts. And then now they're just dumping people left and right. Uh, I, I, honestly, the brewers, I think are in a very good spot. Uh, it's spring training, but their pitching looks fantastic. Uh, their young arms are, uh, developing at a very rapid pace. Their bullpen, in my opinion, is probably the best in the major leagues. Obviously you have the Dodgers and you have the the white Sox and some very good bullpens out there, but I mean, soup to nuts, I think the brewers have it down. Um, defensively in the middle we're better with Wong obviously and then the fact that you have Arcia and Urias uh in that middle is is a very tough middle and then when you have ground ball pitchers like Brett Anderson that they brought in and uh Hauser and that type of stuff to go on the back of the rotation uh Kane's back so defensively they've already added a tick up uh offensively they can't do worse than 2020 and uh they were a playoff team I mean right you can't you can say quotes but they were they were they were a playoff team and mm-hmm. that was with Yelich's worst year and Hira's terrible uh strikeout rate and uh honestly uh sorry for too much information okay. but uh it's it's i honestly feel the pa- the brewers are either they're i think they're going to do a wild card behind the cardinals uh but if they get hot uh, and we do a Craig Tember uh like in our years past yeah. we could take it again that's you know that's my honest opinion right now
0: I think, yeah, the divisions at this point where if anybody gets hot, especially at the right time of the year in the last month, the way the Brewers are want to do but Yeah. It's, it's outside of the pirates. It's I could see anybody wide open, just kind of spurting, yeah. to spurting to a division title because yeah, no, again in an off season where nobody decided they wanted the worst division in baseball, when all you needed to do is make one or two moves, then that kind of leaves it open for any of the top four teams that are, you know, kind of sort of trying and kind of on the subject yeah. of the offense, and I looked this, this stat up this afternoon. This is fun. Uh, you might not think it's fun. In fact, you probably will not think it's fun. Uh, Lorenzo <laughs> Payne played, as you remember, all of five games last year before he opted out. Yes. of COVID. Uh, baseball reference has him at .2 war, which has him both significantly better than Keston Hura's entire season and mm-hmm. only .3 behind Christian Yelich from all of last year, which partly tells you a 60 game season, just how screwed up that can be, but also is, I think emblematic to what you just said about what that offense was. And believe me, from a Cubs perspective, I watched much the same kind of thing with a whole lot of guys that you expected to at least be league average or better and then be, Oh, good Lord, not. Um, So was there a pattern that you were able to kind of pick up as to why Yelich and why hero were struggling so much last year? There was with the Cubs batters. And I'm curious to know if like, small sample also had a pattern where you saw how they were getting guys out consistently Uh, for here. I think it was more
1: of a sophomore ish slump. Uh, I think he just wasn't, I think it was a weird atmosphere to have a full season. Again, he still hasn't had one full season with the Brewers yet Uh, in 2019. He was called up and sent back down when Shaw got off the DL. uh, And then when he was brought back up, he stayed there. But he didn't spend a full season, and then it was a 60-game season. Uh, so I, I'm sure it was weird to kind of have that hype of having him be up. And I, I feel like he probably thought he had to bear much of the weight uh, for, for because Yelich was kind of declining, mm-hmm. and you lost other people. Braun was hurt for 10, 15 games. Uh, no Kane. Garcia wasn't hitting. You know, They couldn't find a first baseman until the last two weeks of the season. Uh, so I think it was some of that. Uh, Yelich, I think a lot of it was the in-game video being taken away uh, because Baez was a big advocate of being pissed about that as well. And I think it was a stupid thing by MLB to take away because of the Astros, uh, where it was part of their routine. Baseball is a very routine sport. And suddenly you're going to take this aspect that players could do during every game. It probably was in their mindset that I'm going to get off my bat. I'm going to take off my batting gloves. I'm going to take off my hat. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at my film. I'm going to get out in the field. I'm going to think about my film, and I'm going to go up to bat. Instead, you take that all away. You're wearing a mask. There's no fans. Like, it's just – honestly, I think the Brewers, more than anyone, feed off a crowd, Uh, and especially, like, someone like Yelich and and someone like that. I think it was just – that strikeout rate was, was crazy. It was like 30% uptick from him. And I think he was just, again, doing too much. And um, there was a great breakdown halfway through the season. I forgot his, his name, but he basically broke down what Yelich was doing um, different at the plate. And I I think Yelich spent a lot of off season working on that and and bulking up. Uh, I even wrote about that in my, one of my newest articles about how the entire Brewers outfield is now jacked. (laughs) <laughs> they all got in shape. It's ridiculous. Oh. Like, they are, they are, it's like, it's like Maguire. <laughs> 98 all them. over
0: again. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, because the interesting thing about uh, watching Cubs superstar hitters also decline substantially last year was that you picked up a pattern after a little while that they were having real problems with fastballs and oftentimes center cut fastballs right down the middle. like. Yeah. Their approach was fine last year in terms of how they were working counts, how they were taking pitches, how they were getting in advantageous hitters counts. But for some reason, when they were getting in those counts, they were, they turned passive. There were way too many fastballs, oftentimes right down the middle, especially to Chris Bryant hmm. that were either yeah. fouled off or taken again. And that to me indicated that the way that pitching is now, especially given how, how Every pitcher in the game seemingly has, you know, mid nineties, unless they pitch for the Cubs starting rotation or a (laughs) substance or a substance aided curveball or slider that I think the mentality of baseball hitters at this point needs to adjust a little bit to how much the pitchers have the advantage now. And it has to be a bit less going a bit of way. And I can't believe I'm saying this given how much I was begging for this for damn near 20 years. (laughs) going away from the idea of constantly working the counts and grinding out at bats and deeper and deeper and deeper and more into the idea of just be ready for the fastball on any pitch. And when you see it, be aggressive and crush it, regardless of when you get it, find the fastball and hit hit it hard because it got to be so old, so fast watching Cubs hitters flail last year. And you mentioned that Yelich's strikeout uh, went through the roof. Was it on a particular pitch that you noticed had a particular hole or was it just timing in general that he had? I I think it was
1: more of like a, like a down corner fastball or something Mm -hmm. like that, where something where he would go yard uh, the last two years, like the last two seasons and he would just whiff it or just, just not be right. I mean, it was, it was, it was definitely weird to see. I I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's, it was an anomaly and then, uh, you know, you just hope it doesn't happen this year, but it's, it's hard to believe that it will. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's nothing, it was just so bizarre in, in
0: every sense of the word. There's there's nothing in a full sample season from him that would indicate that that's that you would expect that over 162 as opposed to a third of a season. And yeah, that makes sense that you know pitchers find a hole that they can exploit for 10 or 20 games at a time. And if you don't have that in-game video as you were talking about earlier, then you either just kind of have to go by your instincts to fix that, which when you're getting frustrated by pitchers exploiting, can kind of drive you nuts. Or that can be something that you just don't really notice for uh, a few games at a time. And then it becomes a slump at that point.
1: Right. And I, I know that he, Yelich went to go see the hitting coach over the off season. Uh, I believe it was Tennessee, uh, but they worked together. So, you know, he, he, he knew about it. No one was more forthcoming than Yelich about that. And even in game interviews, I remember him just saying that they'd be talking to him. He'd just be like, yeah, I'm I'm really bad this year. <laughs> like he was talk- blat- Blatantly just talk about how, how bad he was doing. So he's, he's very self-aware and you know, if, you know, hopefully it just bounces back and that's what it looks like. He's hitting the ball already. And I, I don't know, it was just a, I feel like it was just a combination of everything going on that year that just didn't help. And, you know, Kane being gone and not the same team. And it was just, it was weird. It was probably very
0: weird. Yeah, Does Kane at age 35 take some pressure off him at this point?
1: Oh, absolutely. I like, I feel like Kane is the true locker room leader. Uh, he's kind of, you know, the dad of the team and uh, again, I feel like that all had to go on Yelch's shoulders. I mean, it was, it was, it, it was a slow build, but I feel like he had a couple more years. He felt like in his mind, like he could just be the, the superstar that, you know, was there. And I feel like he, he had to be the in facto leader with Kane gone and Braun, you know, uh, injured here and there and just, you know, frustrated and stuff too, with his nagging injuries. And, um, I think that was it, you know, it, you didn't have that, that team didn't have fun. The team didn't have fun until the last couple of weeks of the season when, Suter and Devin Williams were bouncing on dummies in the outfield again and have starting to make music and, and, and have fun. There was no gel. Like, I don't know if there was just no chemistry with like the people they had brought in at third and first that just were older veterans who didn't, you know, who, who weren't there to be a brewer. They're there for money and, and, and to play baseball. And um, I don't know. So many people didn't work out until you had that spark of, of fun. It wasn't just, it wasn't happening.
0: The classic baseball narrative. You go to Milwaukee for the money.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. That classic cliche. <laughs> uh,
0: you mentioned that you're optimistic about the pitching this year. Um, yes. And obviously with the bullpen, that, that optimism is founded to an exponential power. Uh, the starting rotation, though, that you're also bullish on. It, uh, yes. It's, uh, it's Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Peralta. And uh me, uh, you mentioned Brett Anderson, Brett Anderson
1: okay. Josh, uh, Josh Lindblom. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we don't know if Peralta is going to do that yet. Uh, I mean, really it's between uh, Peralta, Lauer, Hauser, uh, Suter, uh you know, Rasmussen. Uh, so I-, I feel like Lauer or Hauser is going to have that fifth rotation spot, mm-hmm. um, but someone might step up. Who knows? But yeah, uh, I think I say the four is probably set in stone. Uh, but that fifth one is still kind of up in the air.
0: Yeah. Because to me, and this is coming from outsider perspective. So I don't sure. you know, follow the team as closely as you, obviously uh, my sense is that the, the, one of the big brewer worries is can you fill that first five innings of the game before you get to the, the hellacious back end? Uh, yeah. And is there enough depth to cover that uh, over, especially over a course of 162 coming off of a 60 game season? Uh, there's, yeah. there's talent in, in Woodruff and Corbin Burns, but I, I don't know if they have a track record of going deep for an entire season as starting pitchers at this point.
1: Uh, they do not. I mean, Woodruff is probably the closest. Uh, he did have uh, an injury in 2019 that kind of shelved him for a bit. Uh, that didn't help. Uh, but he had a solid 2019, great 2020. Uh, Burns obviously was phenomenal in 2020. Uh, he was a Cy Young candidate, uh, basically. Uh, until his, Again, he got injured near the end there. And, uh, so he'll, they'll be great, but yeah. Uh, I mean, Hauser started great, then was terrible. Uh, Anderson was, was solid in every game he got to pitch. Uh, he's one of those people, like you said, if he can do, he can give you that five, six innings of just ground ball baseball and, and keep you in the game, which is great for that t- for the team. Um, Lindblom, i I'm hoping, I mean, he's, he's a great guy. He's got, uh, you know, great optimism. And again, he can't do worse than he did last year. Honestly, he started, I think he was injured too. And then he got shelled a, a bunch. Uh, and so I don't know, you can't be worse as last year. That's the point uh, with the Brewers. Uh, we were still good. We were still okay being terrible. So uh, and then we have another year under our belt and our bullpen is so stacked when you, when you can go right to Suter or Peralta. I mean, those are other technical starters, and then you're going to have Eric Lauer, who was an ace, technically the ace for the Padres just a few years ago. Uh, I mean, he's not seen as this elite pitcher, but he 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 could come back and and be great. And then you have young arms, and uh, Rasmussen uh, is is looking great in spring so far. So you never know. Uh, it, it. I think the Brewers are due another young guy to to come up and show up, and uh, especially since they've got like three guys who are two years away from from being rotation guys. So, you know, youth is on their side right now. Currently, you just don't know within the next couple of years what's going to happen or if they're going to do a full transition to youth again.
0: Yeah. is was, uh, were the rumors about trading Josh Hader to the Padres kind of in a glance in that direction that they were kind of nodding more toward a transition into the next phase of young arms coming up? Or was that more they they saw kind of an opening where they could get like legit prospects from the Padres? Since obviously yeah. Do you off. mean like the thing from last week? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. That was just made up by a Padres burner account. Oh, good. Uh, there yeah, yeah, that was – there was nothing to it. There weren't even calls. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, David Stearns, I mean, he will never say no. He always says haters off the table basically. But I, right now they would have a team would have to sell the farm. They would mm-hmm. have to give us basically like a serviceable starting pitcher – uh, probably an outfielder or a third baseman and then probably two to three prospects. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, that you'd have to, to get, to get Hayer right now. Uh, Cause I, I feel like he's going to be a brewer forever, but I, but you never know, you know, the Yankees come around and give him a four year, $40 million deal. He's going to take it obviously. And I think they're giving him like six this year or something like 6.5. Mm-hmm. So, You know, worth every penny, but uh, a pitcher like him in a couple of years might not be as great as he is right now. So I think that's what they're trying to use him as much
0: as possible. So so what you're telling me, and and correct me if I'm getting this wrong, is that if you're going to trade one of your major league stars and one of the linchpins of your pitching staff to another team, especially at this point, you're only going to do it if they give you like actual major league players and prospects who are older than 19 years old, huh? Yes. Must hmm. be nice. That sounds like a good idea. I wish that would occur to other team presidents that I'm not going to name in this discussion. Sigh.
1: <laughs> is that a, is that a U Darvish reference?
0: It eh, could be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might be <laughs> obliquely referring to uh, just. Uh, I'm so,
1: I'm, I'm so annoyed. You guys have Zach Davies. We love him. I'm we annoyed. We have him. Zach
0: Davies too. And he's a good pitcher yes he's he's gonna be
1: great he's gonna be great when he comes back to Miller Park and gives up those eight runs Uh, (laughs) uh,
0: yeah he can't he can't face the Cubs to shut him down anymore so uh, no no. yeah he'll be he's fine like getting Zach Davies in, in a trade is a good idea in almost every instance getting Zach Davies as the centerpiece of a trade for last year's Cy Young runner up you can do better than that I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Strange. Uh, some of these
1: trades this year have been bonkers. Yeah, absolutely I, bonkers.
0: I, I wish Jed Hoyer had a burner account. Honestly, I, we would <laughs> so much better if he did uh, that. That's awesome. That that's hilarious news, man. I I did not hear that. So that's, I'm, I'm yes.
1: Break yes, that for team. sure.
0: Um, yeah. And kind of looking at the back end of the Brewers bullpen between Devin Williams and Josh Hader, uh, I would imagine that they're hoping Council to get 70, 80 innings apiece out of both of them this year. And is he he planning on using them in the same game often, or is that kind of going to alternate where you have one hellacious guy one game and then another another so you can maybe let them go inning or two thirds or two innings at a time?
1: That's a, that's a good question. I could even see them reversing their roles to be uh hater in a seventh, eighth inning role and Williams closing the door. Uh, I feel, I think Williams is probably the future closer of the Brewers. Oh yeah. Uh, just because his changeup is so ridiculous that I don't know who can, you know, they're going to obviously get some of those fastballs off him uh, at some point, but I, I, I just can't, I can't see, uh, you know, especially this year that happening. Uh, but yeah. I don't, I think that could be eight and nine. I'm sure they'll start off that way again, but you're right. It could definitely switch. Uh, and I think they've got enough six inning, seventh inning pitchers right now too, with, uh, Justin Topa and, uh, Eric Yardley and, a, and a few others where, you know, that where Knable was able to be traded so easily because they were going to drop him anyway, uh, because of the salary dump and, uh, you know, so I think they've got enough people and they've got youth. So like I said, the Brewers back end is is stacked, and again, you got Peralta who can who can jump in there, uh, suitor, so you know, you got plenty of arms.
0: Yeah, because I, I say that because approaching the Brewers from an opposition perspective, uh, there are nights in the three game series when you play them where after hater has gone like an inning in two- thirds or two the previous game, then you know he's down for that day. And the talk among a team playing the Brewers is always, well, okay, you got a shot in the late innings tonight because is can't see the mound tonight. And if you kind of stack them where they're alternating with each other, then there is no breathing room game where you might be able to get them in the eighth or ninth inning when they can't use one of those hellacious arms. Because, I mean, as you say, Devin Williams uh, last year, even better than Josh Hader. Like, and
1: for sure. And then, you know, they still have, uh, Ray black, uh, mm-hmm. who can throw up to a hundred if he needs to, if they Jeez. need a guy to just come in and do some blazing. Um, they, you know, they signed Brad Boxberger, um, who, you know, he doesn't dab probably the same stuff anymore, but he's another guy who closed the games for two mm-hmm. seasons. He he was an all-star closer. Uh, oh, you know, they, they, they did, they picked up Jordan Zimmerman. Uh, if he makes the team, that's another pitcher who could have another, you know, Wade Miley type, you know, resident, renaissance year and be good for them uh, but if not they've got people right now so they, they I think they did some really good minor league signings where you know you wanted them to sign a uh, uh, Taiwan Walker uh, or somebody like that uh, I was huge I really wanted them to get him but uh, he went to the Mets I think just because you know they got more money
0: so yeah. and again because the NL Central be in the NL Central this offseason has anybody broken down why Devin Williams' changeup is so hellacious and completely unhittable? Because, I mean, there are other pitchers who have good changeups, but that one is yeah. just
1: absurd. Uh, basically, what happened is he when he, he played for the Brewers a little bit, then during the offseason, he actually slowed it down. Huh. So he took speed off of it, which is that's what makes it deadly because it still is the same movement, hmm. but he makes it so much slower that it's still because it, it looks like the fastball. So it just drops, it drops on speed and then it angles down as well. So it just kind of goes, and it, it, they it's like an airbender type thing. You can't, huh. you can't determine that in the, between that and the fastball. And then he throws like a mid nineties fastball. And then, you know, what are you going to do? You got to swing for the fences and then hope that it's not the changeup.
0: Mm. An airbender changeup, like a pitch that is as painful to watch as a Shyamalan movie. Love it. Mm-hmm. Very true. And I love the theory too, that he slowed it down. Like that, that was the key in, in yeah. the era where everybody is going for 95 plus velocity. And you always got to go max effort, every single pitch that the, a pitcher could like game the system by deciding what if we took two or three miles an hour off, like that's, that's next level, major league shit right there. I love that. That's great.
1: That is no, it is great. It was such a cool. St- I remember when it first came out and people were talking about it, I was like, that's amazing that they just, he took speed off and, and that's what, that's what made him uh, change into a rookie of the year Ins- yeah. insane, just insanity.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, coming out of Cubs brewers, obviously the rivalry and at each other's throats and all that, but Devin Williams also seems legit, like an awesome dude, like someone who's socially aware <laughs> yes. and kind of conscious, conscious of what the role black lives matter should be playing in baseball. And was he one of the leaders of the wildcat strike last season?
1: I don't know what is that. The uh, was in the, response
0: to when the Bucks uh, walked off the court for the after the Jacob Blake shooting when the Brewers uh, decided not to play in solidarity. I know they were like one yeah. of the first teams that uh, announced that they would not be playing that night. Yeah,
1: he might have been. I, I don't uh, remember that offhand. I just remember that, yeah, the game was that was canceled, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, uh, if, if you didn't see that clip. Uh, uh Devin Williams or the Black Lives Matters, I forgot where they put it on a dugout, or I think he would do that in his footprint, right. Devin Williams, during the year and Trevor Bauer um rubbed it off when he was still oh, doing his course. complete game. Yeah. Great guy. All right. Yeah. Uh,
0: but, Have fun with that, LA.
1: Good uh, lord. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, but yes, uh Williams is a huge socially conscious guy. I love that him and Suter on the same team. Suter is another great stand-up guy. Hmm. Uh yeah. There's a lot of good people on this team. Uh, Kane, especially like he said, you know, I'm not a huge religious person, but the way he talks about like, he, he was like spiritually reborn during opting out was such a cool mm. way to do it. And like, just get closer to his family. And you know, it seems like a, a good group of guys and, and Colton Wong, not really knowing him, just hating him as a Cardinal. Um, ev- every interview that he's done and everything he's done, he seems like a, a really great guy and, and the charity work he does. kind of like when Drew, I'm not sure if a big basketball guy, but when uh, Drew Holiday came to the Bucks, like mm-hmm. he donated his salary to Milwaukee uh, minority owned businesses, like the remainder of his 2020 s- salary. So.
0: Oh, that's yeah. Jeez. and And yeah, the more awesome guys you can get on the team, the, easier the are to root for over the course of six months so yeah that's for sure phenomenal
1: does 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 Yelich follow dan crenshaw on instagram <laughs> yes do i enjoy that no but i even have to enough. get over it because he, maybe he's doing it to just get a different perspective to open his eyes you, you never know those open his it's eyes hard i think because... what
0: you did there i see what you did johnny oh. yeah <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah nicely done well played, oh, i didn't
1: even Oh, accidentally brilliant yeah. All right. But again, I, I understand that clubhouses are like that. It's a bunch of rich guys. It's a it's a jock boys club. You can't expect them all to be, you know, your perfect ideal of a person. Um, I, I think that's one thing I definitely learned over the season too, is, is just like the influence of social media and, and who these people follow. You know, uh I I love a I love a Christian Yelich and a and a Chris Pratt. Do am I excited for what they follow on other socials? Absolutely not. But I, I got. I also have to put on my big boy pants and know that uh, it's not a perfect world.
0: Yeah, it's it's part of rooting for a team is, is sometimes suspending the disbelief. But yeah, my 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 general rule is I, I know ballplayers as a whole tend to skew conservative. Uh, just don't be the worst person in the world, and we should hopefully be okay. Like if we can avoid our versions of Kurt Schilling or you know another Addison Russell or Rollis Chapman. And yes. yeah, that's, that's, uh, those are the guys that I find untenable and Trevor Bauer would have been a bridge too far. Probably that would have been very hard to keep that disbelief suspended every fifth day. Uh, but that's LA's problem right now and not ours. So it
1: sure is. And I feel like he had uh, it's, it's, it's such a weird thing because 2020 I actually liked his Tandor uh and his honesty of of major league baseball some of his tweets were good and I just feels like something it, like this weird transition over the 2020 season and the off season and, and, you know and then you see some of the other tweets and stuff and uh but it's weird you know I think he's just I think he guys he likes attention he likes doing his little videos and I, I think he likes all this stuff so he made a lot of good money you can't you can't say he's not you can't say he's not a good pitcher and you can't say he didn't you know make his money he he did you know he got a big
0: contract it's uh, the thing about trevor bauer at least in terms of when he talks like when he breaks the game down if he's just focused on like analyzing a game he pitched you can learn something from him because he will go deep into yeah. why he does what he does and why results happen that way if he talks about pretty much literally anything else <laughs> mute the fuck out of it like you right. don't exactly. want any of that. So uh, no, for sure not. Yeah. Uh, but never mute Brew at Brewers Raptor, Brent Suter's actual Raptor. Uh, John, do you have anything else to plug? while I still have you here?
1: Yeah, I would just go in there. Uh, John Egan stuff is my newish website. Uh, years after my slow, very slow website, but my friend did it for me. Uh, so I was happy, but I finally did my own. So that's nice that because uh, right on there, you can see any dates that I will eventually have uh, my three websites that I write for, uh, Wisconsin sports heroics, reviewing the brew and Packers for zone coverage, um, where, you know, the Minnesota Minnesota website and Vikings website pays me to write about the Packers. So I can't complain about that ever. It's yeah, it's great. I can always say that it's, it's nothing but great that the, you know, an opposing fan base pays me
0: to write about their enemy. So (laughs) God, would I take Cardinal fans' money at like this? I, I guess in I St. Louis, comedy-wise. So, in in theory, I have. Uh, yeah, yeah, for but, sure. Yeah, rough one. Uh, but yeah, John, let's split some secret stadium sauce sometime this summer. How about that? I would nothing would make me happier.